What is up, everyone? Let's see who's on here. Probably nobody. No, we have people. We have five people on. Five people. Oh, shit. At least, uh, might be more. Let's see. We've got Lauren here. We've got Brittany, Shram, Sydney, Sydney M, uh, who is preparing for a job interview at three, and she's listening to us to hopefully help calm her nerves. Oh, good. Do you want to take a surprise shot with us? That'll really calm your nerves. I mean, we can take it for her, like, as if she was taking yeah. it. Yeah. We could do a special non-surprise shot for her, too, if we yeah. want. Yeah. That sounds good. Yeah, this is a very uh, uh, nerve-calming episode, I'll tell you that. Oh, good. Let's love those. see. Summer, Ilsandro. Ilsandro Lissandro oh, from, from Ar- Argentina. Argentina. Oh, nice. Argentina. Summer's here. Wolfie's here. Welcome, everyone. Natasha's here. Hey, Natasha. What's up, everybody? I'm trying to log in still. Forgot I need a computer for this. So since we went brunching, you know what that means. That means that I was on time. Actually, I was mm-hmm, early. Mm-hmm. Way early. I know. What the fuck? She was dropping her mom off at the airport. Yeah. It's thanks to my mom that mm. I was early. Yeah. Tell your mom thanks for last night. I mean, for, you know, getting her stuff ready to go quicker. You better be careful what you say because she would probably be probably be very flattered by that. I know. Your mom and my mom, whenever John says things like that, like, oh, that John, he's so funny. <laughs> She'd be like, ooh, I still got it. <laughs> oh, man. Meanwhile, John's mom over here is probably like, oh, my God, that is my son. Well, I feel like we should do our shot for Sydney, who is about to go on an interview. Yeah. Before we go back to our yeah. our list, Sydney, you also have to take a shot. I mean, it may calm the nerves, but also don't let them smell the alcohol in your breath if this is in person. Mm-hmm. Oh, or you all you can do you can put the baking soda in the mineral water in it, and then you won't even be able. We to have taste not the tried that. Also, have you tried just ba- so we've been doing soda doping? We took a break because it is so nasty, but. It's just baking soda and water. And it's gross. So I'm not confident that this whole baking soda and mineral water thing is going to So the baking soda I actually use when I, like, if I had, when I was younger, my mom used to give me baking soda, like, if my stomach was upset. It's kind of like the similar effects of Alka-Seltzer. But I love baking soda for multiple reasons. Not to taste, not to eat. I mean, just like, it's so, it's such a miracle substance. Yeah, it it does a lot. I put it in in laundry. It deodorizes. I always have some in my refrigerator. Um, It cleaned off my stove the other day helps with you know upset stomachs so honestly it actually makes my stomach upset really yeah it makes it upset or you get gassy well that too it like kind of makes me nauseous oh what the hell are we talking about the baking, baking soda. soda soda doping sydney goes you know what i got a couple hours i'll take a shot yeah yeah all right well let's do it then hey sable we missed you all right surprise shots surprise shots we don't know what they are because they're a surprise. All right. Uh, all right. Well, uh, Sydney, good luck with your interview. I hope you kick ass. I'm sure you'll do an awesome job. Cheers, all. Cheers. I don't know what that was. Oh. It wasn't terrible, but it has a weird taste to it. It's a weird taste. That was that peach moonshine. Oh, okay. That's fucking moonshine. That is not moonshine. Oh my God. We, I, we, we you already said talked about this, this so many times. We understand it's not real moonshine. Would you like the real moonshine? Because we also have that. I have a great episode today. This will be a two part episode, and the next part will be for Talk Us Primos, but it'll also be available on Wednesday of next week. We also recorded one the other day. Did you see that one? I know you weren't here, but no. it was the balloon disaster of 1986. Oh, no. It was, uh, what'd you think of that one, Nicole? Um, outrageous. That one's on YouTube right now. You can just go and uh, it's our latest video. If you want to watch that, it's uh, literally the balloon disaster. Uh, 1.5 million balloons 
they released in Chicago because someone thought it was a great idea in 1986. 1.5 million. Mm-hmm. That, what about all the the animals in the ocean? Exactly. Well, <laughs> yeah, that um, it's a true crime story. Like people, you know, died dead, and then the animals, environmental stuff. Yeah. Did we ever cover the story about the balloon that got loose at the Thanksgiving Day parade? Didn't someone die from that? Didn't someone get like it was a while ago, like a long time ago? I don't know what you're talking about. I, I don't know. I thought I heard that. Maybe I'm making it up. All right, let's get on with this, man. I am going to go to Google Earth. If you are watching this now on live stream, just look at your screen. We're going to get this thing started, man. Let's get it. I'm excited for this episode. I don't know if anyone's heard this or not. I don't think it's really covered very much, but if you have, just don't spoil it for anyone else. But we are going to Michigan tonight. If anyone's in Michigan on the live stream, give us a what's up. You know, obviously keep your head down, you know, because the bullets and stuff. But, you know, what's up? I'm just kidding. Detroit's pretty bad. Sable's in Detroit. Oh, Sable. Well, you might know this story. We're going to Bath. Has anybody mm. been to Bath? Has anybody no. taken a bath? No. Yes. All right. We're going to Bath, Michigan. Not lately. Are you serious? Yeah. I, haven't, I don't remember the last time I had a bath. I've been, I, I'm a shower person. Mm. Okay. I want to put a bathtub in my, in, like in my bathroom and mm. the, like the owner suite one. Um, but, all right. But I want like a deep tub, you know yeah. what I mean? Like a jacuzzi tub. And I don't know if it'll fit. Sable, we're going to Bath, Michigan. Do you know what this story is? Yes or yes. Here we go. You guys are not excited about Woo. that. Well, I was about to Uwana, but then I wasn't sure if you were like going to get annoyed with it. So so this is where we're going to tonight. 42.48. So this is where it was. Okay. This, it looks like there's a school nearby, a trail, and it looks like a nice little uh, softball cul-de-sac. Field. Yeah. yeah, it's like suburbia. If you're around this area, you definitely know this story. Okay. I will tell you that. But the fact that, that um, Sable doesn't know it kind of makes me think that no one's covered it. Has she any- said she might know the story. Has anyone else heard this? I- I'm like really curious. You haven't said anything other than where it takes place yet. If you know the story, you know what Bath, Michigan is known for. That's the that's the point. That's what okay. I'm trying Bath to say. Houses. Actually, holy shit. Check this shit out. This right here. Do you see this outline? Yeah. yeah. I guarantee you this is it right here. Uh, oh. I guarantee you. So this is a huge building outline. Yeah. Right? I can almost damn guarantee you that. That's it. Okay. Well, we don't know what it is yet. Okay. I'll go back to that later. May 18th, 1927. I showed you the Google Earth and we saw an outline there. Let me show you that one more time because I'll show you the building that used to be there. This is the outline as you you can see here. You see this outline and this be the building that was there. Yep. So, a schoolhouse. Oh. Oh, Jen does not like oh. this. She's like, where did the school go? Oh, Jesus. Where, where did the school go? Oh, <laughs> Jesus God. Christ. So uh, I think that's it, dude. It kind of looks like it. It might be. I think it is. I mean, it was from 1927. That's so weird yeah, if it yeah. is. Okay. Holy shit. May 18th, 1927. This is, I showed you, is the Bath Consolidated School. What does that mean? Consolidated school? Does that mean it's like uh, elementary and middle and high school mm. all in one? We're going to get to the history of it. Oh, okay. But I will say at the time, this was a state of the art school, especially for the small town of Bath, which is extremely tiny. How tiny is it? It was so tiny. that. Well, all right. I'll tell you this. That school that you just saw, and I'll put all these photos on talkmar.com, was a quote, shining landmark overlooking the town, symbolically representing a higher ideal in 
bright future. Hmm. So the fact that Bath being so small had a, a building of this magnitude was, I, th- I believe it was the first township to get a building like this because before, now this is 1927. So in the 20s and even before that, schoolhouses were one little building. Before these consolidated schools started getting built in the big cities. Mm-hmm. So you think of like Chicago and, and New York and all these awesome. places. Boston, they have these big consolidated schools with a structure plan that is well outlined. You have teachers and you also have janitors. They're not the same thing. The teachers have to get there early before these consolidated schools and heat the school. They also have to clean up everything. Like they're doing everything. You're talking about when it was like a schoolhouse. and yeah. Oh, yeah. So it was one little building, schoolhouse, and that was it. Just one small building. And your kids either went or didn't. They went sometimes. This was the big push in education. This was when it started around this time, right before the depression, when these big cities started getting these big buildings and was like, we need to invest in our children's future. So the fact that Bath has done this was a huge deal at the time. This town has 200 people in it. Oh, wow. That's small. Yeah. That's smaller than the graduating class that we have this year. Exactly. That is where we're going to tonight. That school, May 18th, 1927. This is the final examination day right before summer break. So mm-hmm. when is summer break now? Is it around the same time? May? Well, different areas have different times, but generally May, June. May June yeah. yeah. I will say though, for a town that had 200 people in it, did they need a building that size or did they send, was this the beginning of like regional schooling? Did they send bat, like bath and from the students? that that's sitting next next to bath like yeah Bath was always overlooked. You have Detroit right there, a big city. You have all these other Lansing. Bath was just, I mean, no one's even heard of it now. So this was more of a statement. You know, we're going to build this school. And the people in Bath were just regular subsistence farmers. Okay. So, you know what I'm saying? Like this was this was unheard of to build something like this. And you saw it as huge. Yeah. That was a big school for yeah. such number yeah. attendees. Exactly. Because as you've considered, like 200 people, you'd f- say the f- average family was probably like four or five and then yeah so i mean there were probably like like maybe two dozen kids in the school you know what i mean it's not not like it's a big school system i can't imagine more than 50 kids no that's what i'm saying like and that's almost like so if they didn't just have bath it would um, like if they did just have this the people of bath then it would almost be like a waste of resources and time well on this day final examination day and there were people that didn't have to come because they're seniors that have passed the exam or whatever not that i know what i'm talking about i never i, I was never one of those people no i mean that is something that you happened, still graduated but, yeah but it was all all education levels like yeah, so yeah, there all, was high school okay mm-hmm, yeah there was elementary through um, high, school? high school yeah high school seniors so basically i don't know like Four years old to 18, mm-hmm. pretty much. Now, a new school like this, even though it's state-of-the-art, in 1927 especially, there's going to be problems right out the gate. Now, this day, this specific day, May 18th, the morning that we're going to, there were 205 people in this building. So, like you said, that was a lot of people. And how many did I say that was in Bath? Two, 200. Mm-hmm. There was only 200 people, probably less in Bath at the time. Mm-hmm. So, these peop- so these students and teachers come from other townships and mm-hmm. other you know places. Right. So... We're starting with a repairman there, George Harrington, and his partner, Frank Smith, who also doubled sometimes as a substitute teacher and just kind of helped out. This is a brand new school, brand new, out of the box. And this school has a lot of problems. So they were in the basement because they were trying to fix this broken water pump. 
Now this is in the morning, okay? And let me show you what a water pump would look like. Now granted, this is not the exact one, but this is, I looked up for the time period and, and uh, this is what it showed me. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the, the water pump was broken, which means no, no fresh water. They can't wash their hands, stuff like that. So they were down there fixing it and it was 940 a.m. This water pump was out of commission. It was the generator that was malfunctioning. Now, I want to say this is going to be important. Schools at this time, even though they were state of the art, they still ran on gasoline, which is not a really good idea. No. A lot of the ovens and stoves in the home also ran on gasoline, which is also a terrible idea. And it only lasted for five years. And then there was just too many deaths. Like there's a lot of a lot of housewives and stuff using these gas stoves and would just get incinerated. So they took those off. But at the time, the the heating system was using gas. Okay. Hmm. This was the last day before before summer break. The kids were all excited. Most of them were taking their final exams. No more pencils, no more books, no more teachers' dirty looks. Yeah. Have you heard that before? Yes. Oh. 250 students were in this building and a couple of the students, the seniors who didn't have to take this exam were outside. They had to be in class and PE around noon. It was like 1.30. They had to be in there. So they were just there anyway. Where else is there to go? They were out front of this school that I showed you. They were playing softball. And I'm, I'm going to tell you a lot of names, but don't don't get bogged down on the names. It's just okay. for story's sake, right? All right. The two repairmen are down there in the basement. You have a few seniors out. Arthur Woodman, Donald Ewing, Charlie Havlin, and William Robb. They were outside playing softball at the same time as these repairmen were in the basement. This is 9.40 a.m. So I'm, I'm showing you what everyone was doing at this time. The timing is extremely important. They were playing softball. One of the seniors threw a pitch at 9.40 a.m. and it soars over his buddy's head. And looking out of the window of the schoolhouse at that exact moment, she can see this ball soaring over the head was one of the elementary teachers. Her name is Leona Gutskins. She was a fabulous teacher from what everyone said. She would do these things where she would read stories and kind of leave it on a cliffhanger. Kind of like, you know, I do sometimes. <laughs> you don't do that. And her, no. and her students would beg her to, to, to continue. So she would always have to read more than one story. She was a great storyteller. And like I said, she was, you know. So she gathered the kids up in the back of the classroom for story time. They're begging her, begging her to read them another one story student later recalled about the teacher quote when she got to an exciting part she would stop and make us wait until the next morning to find out what happened next so this teacher leona is glancing out the window the two repairmen are downstairs in the basement looking at this water heater and at the same time these three seniors are playing softball the ball goes over the head and towards the school let me go back to the water pump right quick. The two repairmen, Frank Smith, George Harrington. It's a regular day. They've been they've been messing with this water pump all morning. They got there at 8 a.m. It is now 9.40. They are fed up. They cannot understand. It was something with the, the bypass valve or something. It does have electricity hooked up to it, but they cannot figure it out. Uh, can I ask a question? Can you remind me or go over again the purpose of this water pump? Is it, It's not a hot water heater. It's it's a Is it just that where they access? all of the water for like hand washing or water drinking what like what is what do you mean water pump yes yeah, so i know you showed us a picture it kind of looked like a hot water heater but that's basically what it is okay but at the time i don't think they had hot water heaters at the time i'm pretty sure but it's the same thing the hot water heater is also a pump you know so you have one one uh central big tube yeah you know, sorry i'm 
a woman. I don't understand these things. No, I I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't know, you know, how to like bake a cake or, you know, what what chemicals to use on the floor and stuff. So I get it. Mm. Or like, what's the best mop out there? (laughs) No, but yeah. So it pumps water through the whole school. So the water fountains, which they did have back then, water fountains, the sinks. You mean the bubblers? The bubblers, the sinks, like everything, right? If you need water, they had this water pump and it was it was state of the art. So it is it's pretty much just the water source for the school. Mm-hmm. Okay, got it. Because going back real quick, before this school, that was that one schoolhouse, where did they get the water from? The lake. The teacher goes down to the lake or the well and gets the water, brings it back up. Got it. That's how they did it. So the teacher has to get there super early to do this. And then she's got to heat the water. Yeah. You know, like she's got to build a fire and to heat the building, she's got to build a fire for that. Like she's getting there. I know. Right. So this is this is completely different. I mean, I'd probably if it were me and I had to do that, I'd probably have to get there like way super early so I could have like my, you know, what was me? Disney princess, like true love will find me moment by the well to get the water <laughs> the wishing well is yeah. that one of the songs the wishing well is that snow white no yeah, yeah wishing well uh, she was singing when when will one day my prince will come yeah at the wishing well mm-hmm. so like obviously as a woman who is responsible for getting the water from the wishing well we would have to have a disney movie scene every day yeah when did snow white come out gosh 1939 Close. I think you're right. Yeah, it was a very early Disney movie. Here's what's going on. You're at this school. This teacher has just finished a story. Her kids are begging, begging her to do another story. Begging her. She finally gives in. She's actually looking outside. The reason she's looking outside is because it's such a beautiful day. This is right before summer. It's hot. It's a beautiful day outside. I know this isn't protocol, but maybe she can take her students outside just for one quick story. She ends up moving them to the back of the class either way, but she does give in and do another story. She's looking out the window. That softball is flying towards the window and and that senior is jumping up and he misses it. At the same time, the... What? This is just gonna like make me feel bad because I feel like whatever disaster is impending, it feels like it's because this person missed the ball, and I just oh, no. feel like that and would the be the school just collapses because the ball. Is... I feel like that would be me because you've gotten <laughs> even on camera a few times at the beach, I like throw the ball. It's like completely. <laughs> yeah, I'm not... like this. I'm like throw the ball, and it goes like almost behind her, and I'm like what. <laughs> I I just feel like I can see myself in this per in this disaster in that way. Like, oh god, you just shouldn't. This is why I don't play sports. Okay, it's see, something really bad could happen. Nicole, Nicole, see, this is it's it's funny because Nicole is picturing herself in this scenario, and I am trying to like uh, disassociate because it's a story that's happening at a school. I get, especially, second, I get secondhand embarrassment about a lot of things, especially because of the events that happened. recently recently but yeah anyway go on all right the teacher is looking outside she sees the ball the ball's flying towards the window she's also looking at how beautiful it is outside it's just i mean michigan is pretty cold right sable so this day was just oh it just feels so good it's summer the kids are smiling big grins like literally five hours away from having a summer off oh my god teachers are happy there's a brand new school everything is great everything is great at the same time that the ball's being thrown and the teacher's looking outside literally what you just mentioned nicole down back in back in the basement the the two two men george harrington frank smith they're frustrated 
kid. They're in this dampy basement and George Harrington just says, screw it. Like, let me just, let me just take this thing off. Let me take this bypass thing off. I brought my wrench from home. And since this is a new school, he was kind of upset, right? Because he's got to bring his own tools. So he grabs his, his wrench, his trusty old wrench. And at, he looks at his watch, 944. That's the time, 944. So four minutes has gone by since I said all that. Mm-hmm. He puts the head of the wrench around the bypass valve. And as soon as he makes contact with the metal of the bypass valve, he hears, quote, an awful noise. Oh. Now, this is in the basement. This awful noise. That's all he says. I don't know what it was. Was it a or something? Or was it? I don't know. Those are both awful noises. Just an awful noise. And then silence. But only for a few seconds. Maybe even milliseconds. But to him, because he remembers this, it was just silent. Eerily silent. Just for literally an instant. And then all of a sudden, from what he can remember, he was thrown back, violently thrown backwards. He doesn't recall what happened exactly, but he remembers a blast of some sort. A blast and the shock waves and the, the pure Newtonian force just pinning him on the basement wall. His wrench is still in his hand. Like, what is going on? He just put the wrench on this bypass valve and now he's pinned to the back wall. He looks over. Frank Smith, his partner, is laying on the ground just moaning. There's been an explosion. He's he's alive, but he has no idea what's going on. Now, I will say we're reading from two different books tonight. I, I'll tell you the titles here in a little bit, but that's what Nicole's going to be reading from. From the author Harold Schechter, Arthur Woodman, running to retrieve the softball lofted over his head, suddenly heard a tremendous blast and was thrown to the ground. When he looked up at the school building, he saw the roof caving in on top of the children. Oh, no. At least it didn't have to do with the softball game. Man, that was really stressing me out, too. The softball flies over his buddy's head and in the air, he's reaching for it. He's like Nicole throwing a ball and it just goes way over your head. Or is it Nicole trying to catch the ball? He jumps up. He jumps up to reach for it and as soon as his glove makes contact with it and that teacher is inside with her kids, she glances out for a minute. At that same second, she's looking out. She's seeing the softball game looking at everything and at that same second when when uh, Harrington is blasted backwards all of that simultaneously happens right then and then this tremendous tremendous blast quote the roof caving in on top of the children Arthur Woodman who was trying to catch this ball, was thrown. Now, he is 50 yards away from the school. He's thrown on the ground by this force. He would later say, along with other witnesses, including the seniors out there, that the entire building rose up, detached from its supports. When he hit the ground and the ball rolled from his glove, the school descended from its height and slams back down on the ground. Powerful crash, folding it over itself. Mm. So, what do you guys think of this? Uh, that Whoa. building inspector should probably be fired. This is the school. That. Mm-hmm. You see it? Yeah. Nice building. Where it was. You see here, they're playing softball. Yeah. No, I don't see anyone. Are they ghosts? Imagine. Imagine. Actually, it's on this side. So, they were over here. Leona, the teacher, is telling a story over here, this section. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, this beautiful structure looked like this. Holy smokes. 
Oh, no. 250 people were in this school, ranging from elementary. That's a lot more students than I thought there would be, too. Yeah. Given the size of the town and the surrounding areas. Ranging from babies, children, to full-grown adults, to people just supporting substitute teachers. Pretty powerful, right? Yeah. So what do you think? What do you think about this? Very sad. Yeah. Has anyone heard this story? A couple actually have on here. Um, Tram says that she's also heard of this. From what, Morbid? Tram? We're so bitter. I am bitter. You know what? Because we're still at the bottom. We're not at the bottom, bottom. Mm. All right. How many people, how many deaths do we have here? All of them. No? Well, you saw the school. is only half of it fell down. Okay. I'll say, I'll say 100. 79. Some of the teachers, for instance. Oh, no. I this, don't want to see those babies. This teacher, members of the second grade in Bath Consolidated School are shown here with Miss Thelma Ewing, their teacher. The picture was taken in the doorway of the town hall, an improvised morgue, and now a temporary schoolroom. So some of those kids were lost. Mm. And I believe all of these kids were lost. Miss Roscoe Hart, bath teacher in her class, fifth grade, are shown. Miss Hart died Tuesday in a Lansing hospital. And practically every member of her room was either killed or injured in the blast, which exploded directly behind them. Mm, Beneath them. How many kids are here? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve on the first row. There's only like five or so in the second row. No, there's a lot more. Oh, yeah. All of these kids. It says, quote, practically every member of her room was either killed or injured. It says it right here in the blast, which exploded directly beneath them from the basement, perhaps. Man, it got like super fucking quiet in here. Well, yeah, this is terrible. You did say it was another disaster. So what do you guys think? That's terrible. So what, like, why, when he unscrewed that, was it, what was it that made it literally explode gas? Did he, like, hit the gas line? But even still, oh, was it, did, like, the spark of the wrench, maybe, if he hit it? Or did someone mess with the water pump and they knew that this would happen, if that's the case? If I could turn back time, I would go back and shank them. Because you don't mess with little kids. Wait, what? You think it was done on purpose? Like it could have been. Was... I'm asking. It was like a question statement. Mm. Well, this is known as the bath disaster. The bath school consolidated schoolhouse disaster. Leona, the teacher who was who was one of the kids' favorite. She had this ability to tell a story and to keep these little minds interested. She was dead instantly when the school folded in half. Her classroom was dead center of the collapse. She was buried alive. From the author Harold Schechter, quote, buried in that tangle of brick, plaster, wood, and metal were dozens of the school's youngest children along with their teachers. It's terrible to think of, like, because oftentimes with these types of things, not necessarily school, but like building collapses and you, you may, I mean, a lot of victims may die instantaneously, but a lot of people People don't. And could you imagine being it's alive painful. and being buried under all of that rubble and debris and hearing the moans and cries of the people who also were not killed immediately? Yeah. It's just be so traumatic. Like, I don't even know how I would go on. Well, we're going to like being buried alive. I want to say this episode is about to get ramped up real bad. All right. Let's talk about I, I don't know why I just I labeled this section just bodies in my notes. So I guess that's what we're getting into now. Right. Thursday morning, May 19th, 9.45 a.m. From the author Arnie Bernstein, Thursday morning, May 19th, the sun rose over a killing zone. 
buckets filled with blood-soaked rags, coats and hats, shoes and socks, like little broken flowers strewn across the lawn. Oh, I don't like that. One girl's bloodstained coat and hat hanging from a limb, a tree limb. Oh, no, I don't like that either. School books, pages fluttering in the breeze. So now you have this school. And let me show you the photo one more time because... Jeez. This right here, what is this section right here? Um, It's just the ground. Okay, I thought it was a trick question, but yes, it's just ground. Well, that ground is now the temporary morgue. Oh, no. Slash triage. They did a great job of making sure all the, the dead and the dying, their heads were all facing the same way. And they tried to triage based on who needs what, what parts of who was missing, and how, how can we save as many lives as possible. Did they? at least pitch a tent so like it wasn't all in the open this is farmville usa well, bath township is small there's nothing but farmers there's no no big hospital anywhere close the the red cross actually had to get out here and it took them forever yeah but people have been pitching tents for thousands of years pitching tents for what to to, to keep it from people just roaming around and looking at things but it's such a small town i don't think that was like a concern it no. was probably to just you know, I will say, but if I was like walking past, I was going to say driving, but I don't even know if they had cars back then or if they could afford cars in there. 1927. Like, there were cars. I think it was just so rural, like it, it, in an emergency, especially if there was no Red Cross or something like that. Like this isn't you got to think if this is in a very rural area, okay. like that's not going to be the priority. Okay, You're right. You're right. But there was. I, I'm going to get into this in the next episode, but there were um, morbidly curious, a lot of people. That's what I'm it saying. Rubberneckers. Filled, filled the town up. Not even rubberneckers because there's, I mean, this is a small town. No one's coming through here. This was people coming from every other town around to see the destruction. There was local gas stations uh, around the township that would, would sell postcards of well, the pictures. Jen's question was a totally valid one they, about privacy. I mean, how long was it? Can we it? loop that? Can we loop that clip too? Some, some of the most selling postcards, which you're going to be reading some, involve some of the workers pulling out the children's bodies. What the? Those things sold off the shelves. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, I mean, same thing today, I guess. Yeah, same thing. That's how, why we have a podcast about true crime. How long did it, was like the scene and the setup, you know, to, to remove the bodies and things like that? Like how long was that Well, this is probably on? one of the biggest buildings in the town, so it would have taken more than if it was just a one building schoolhouse with some boards and nails to pull it together this is like bricks and desks and all kinds of things i mean how how long were they pulling bodies out to try to like save and rescue them is what i mean it was for days i remember a buddy uh some of our guys got sent to haiti and he came back i was living with the guy at the time and he was like man I was like, how was it in Haiti? He was like, dude, all we did was pull bodies oh. out all day long. I'm like, oh, man, I'm glad I didn't get, get to that one. All right. So you guys uh, don't like this story. Do not. It, it, it gets worse is yeah, what you're about gets, to say. Uh, a little yeah. Bit, yeah. Monty Ellsworth, one of the parents, sped up to the school because, I mean, everyone, you could hear this from 100 miles away. Everyone heard this. This was an explosion of enormous proportion. Everyone heard it. Everyone started rushing to the school because why? Because my kid's there. So you're rushing to the school in your car. You know your kid's there. Is he buried in the rubble or is he going to run up to your car when you get there? You just don't know. So try to put yourself in that situation. Monty Ellsworth, one of the parents, sped up to the school because he had a young son there. He arrived and his son was safe, ran up to the car. Daddy! He felt relieved. 
So he, along with all the other parents that got there, started digging. They had to dig through this mm -mm. because this is a freshly taken photo right here of, you know, the disaster. And where's all the kids? Where's all the kids that were under there? They're still under there. Mm -hmm. You got to get them out. You got to get this roof off. You got to go in this side. You got to dig these children out. That's effed up, right? He could see a pile of children under the roof. Some of them had arms sticking out, some had legs, and some just had their heads sticking out. They were unrecognizable because they were covered in dust, plaster, and blood. From Harold Schechter, Doris Elaine, Johns was one of the first parents to reach the school. As she neared the entrance, she was frozen by a grotesque sight. The figure of a little girl, clearly dead, hanging by the legs from a pile of crumbled masonry. She let out a shriek as she recognized her daughter. That's bad. I mean, I can't imagine the parents like don't know, you know, yeah. I mean, and most of these parents, they don't have one child. They have three or four. So your child runs up to you. you oh, yes. But where's your sister? Where's your brother? Where's your little brother? Where's your cousin? Like, yeah, like, can you, yeah. yeah you know, like, families. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mr. C. Chapman started clawing through these bricks, desperate to find his son, Russell, desperate. He calls his name over and over. Russell, Russell, where are you? I'm all right, father, but get me out of here quick. God, yes. Oh, God. Yes. Yes, son. I'm coming for you. Just hold on. He started throwing this debris and these bricks, this masonry, this plaster, this blood. He started just throwing it behind him like a madman. Finally, Mr. Chapman found his little boy, Russell, but it was too late. Oh, no. Quote from the newspaper. His neck was all but severed from <gasps> a fallen beam. End quote. Oh, a lot of the children, a lot of the parents survived, but were soon killed from the falling debris oh. that was still falling. The beams, the big bricks, the wood, uh, you know, even a two by four falling from the top of the building that's collapsing could kill your eight year old son. Well, mm -hmm. yeah, we already talked about a penny falling from the Empire State Building. Penny could kill you. We just try it on you, Jen. Okay. I'm just kidding. Willing participants. We'd have to um, stop the podcast if that happened. No, you could just loop my greatest hits. I don't oh, like no, that. I don't. <laughs> I don't like that. Oh, Jen. <laughs> Why are you guys not live streaming anymore? Uh, you know, we just got tired of it. It's like weekend with Bernie's. With <laughs> no, you, you have the green screen. You have the green screen. You can just, you know. <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> Jen, good, good call, man. <laughs> We do have enough content to do that. We could like cut her out all together. <laughs> so fucked up. Yeah, because you've killed her apparently. The other day, so we have a... Is there a murder plot? No. <laughs> we, have, we have a non-lethal firearm and John asked me to shoot him. And she shot me in the balls. No. <laughs> I said, I will not shoot you unless you're wearing like... Two pairs of pants, two sweatshirts with the hood on in case I like miss because you told me to shoot goggles. She will well, miss. Helmet and goggles. He, he was going to turn around, so I was going to shoot him in the back. Yeah, but we all know about your your th ball throwing. Actually, I'm a much better shot than I am. Uh, do not, you want me to go get that target <laughs> in the garage? Because I did gonna, pretty good. I'm not going to compete because I don't think I have a good shot. I think I only fired that thing once and it did not go away. Yeah, you killed the neighbor's dog. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. Not it was two true. blocks away. <laughs> not true. But I think John really wanted me to just rec record doing it. You know, don't do stupid shit for, for likes, John. That's, That's right. how some people die. That's called trash streaming. Yeah, trash streaming. We're not that. Not yet. Kinda. <laughs>
Garbage right. streaming and trash streaming are two different things. One by one, these children were all just laid out on the grass. This morgue, they called it the lawn morgue. That's, uh. that's what the paper dubbed it. The lawn morgue. Sad. Right? So one by one, they would be pulled out. A lot of them gone, whatever pieces remained, put down on the lawn morgue. Some dead, some dying, some badly injured, but still hopeful. Not to be insensitive, but how do I say this without sounding insensitive? Mm, do don't you, say it. Good call. Go ahead. No, I got to hear it now. You got to say tell you it after. No, you got to say it now. Do you think that they like tried to match parts? Yeah. Probably. So that the, uh, so that they, they could put them to rest? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, I would think so, probably. Yeah. I mean, I know they didn't do that with the... Uh, that one case that we covered yeah, with the boat shed, you know, oh, it was yeah. like, oh, let's just give up now. Well, like, I would hope that they wouldn't just Frankenstein all of it. But that's a, I mean, I wasn't ter- insensitive, I don't think. Okay. Thanks. No, that's a good question because they, they, they would, yeah. Yeah, I yeah, think so. Like that one case, they were just throwing bones with bones. Like, I don't know, it just kind of yeah. sounds fucked up. It sounds like, especially with the fact that it was mostly children, that they would, they were treating them with respect. Granted, yeah. the other case was also a lot of children, but whatever. Uh, from author Arnie Bernstein, chunks of human flesh entangled in the wires above. Oh. Blood dripped like a, me- a red, misty rain. A ruined carnage was strewn across the ground in the trees. The helter-skelter scattering of blood, limbs, bones, guts, and inner organs looked like the remnants of a slaughterhouse hit by a tornado. Oh, Many couldn't take it. Stomachs curdled. Foul smells of raw and half-roasted meat of human origin were soon mixed with a horrible, vomit-like stench. Ugh, man, that is really painting the picture for us. I know, I like this author. I'm glad I'm not in that line of work. Yeah. What line of work? Like search and rescue type oh. stuff. No, this disaster. was not search and rescue. No, this I was... know. But even t- today, like yeah. that sort of thing, if you were, if you had to go into a, a scene like that, can you imagine? Ugh. That was a good question, though, John, because I am in that line of work where things happen. Hey, Chris. What's up, Chris? One couple recalled in the town over, Nellie and Albert Cushman. They were so relieved when they heard the news that, yeah, your son's fine. His name was Ralph. Ralph is alive. Yeah, Ralph's alive. Oh, yes. But they still rushed over there. They pull up to the school, the tattered school, and they're waiting for Ralph to run up to the car. Ralph was alive and he had a broken leg. However, it was a different Ralph. Oh. Theirs was dead. That's messed up. That's like um, one of the examples from the um, Boston Marathon bombings that happened. There was a there was a woman who was with her best friend and they were standing right where the first bomb went off and she had the friend's phone in her hand. So when the husband was looking for her, he couldn't uh. find her. And they said, oh, no, um, I, I don't remember the, the, the girl's name, but so-and-so is here, but we can't find your wife. And then all of a sudden they were like, no, we have your wife. But then like the other family thought that their daughter was alive, but it turned out she had passed had away. Phone, yeah. yeah. So uh, I, I don't do IEDs, man. Fuck that. Or, or you know, explosions. Ugh, terrible. I got stories about that. Not doing sure you do. Fuck that. So the survivors weren't just survivors. They were bandaged, bleeding, fingers missing, legs missing, legs broken, shrapnel sticking out of their skin. 
No one deserves that. From author Arnie Bernstein, when Dean Sweet was found, he was clearly dead. No pulse. His crushed and broken body resembled an old rag doll, torn and discarded beneath the wood, brick, plaster, and dust. A nearby wall was close to collapsing, threatening to bury the child further. Dean's body was removed with great care, then transported to the temporary morgue on the lawn. Mm. The deputy sheriff gets there, William Clock. He finds a boy lying unconscious in the rubble. This is his first one. And he can see that he's breathing. This is a little eight-year-old boy. He's so relieved. The first one he gets to, the child is living, just unconscious. He bends down, about to cradle this child. And behind him, behind the child, the remaining brick wall collapses <gasps> instantly and crushes this boy to death. No. Still, the lawman pressed on. He came upon the legs of a little girl sticking out of the pile, her torso buried beneath. Clock steadied himself and assessed the situation. He took hold of the girl's foot and it snapped off <gasps> in Clock's hands. Oh. Mm-mm. Oh my God, that's so traumatic. All of this is coming from newspaper sources, and this is how they reported it. Across from the school, a hundred yards away or so, one rescuer finds a stick lying on the ground. This was a hundred yards away, but this stick had an unusual shape. Mm-mm. He goes to the stick. He goes to pick it up, and it turned out to be a human backbone. Oh, oh God. Uh-uh. You know what? What? Like, when you... <laughs> what, Jen? <laughs> yeah, no shit. What? Jen, what? <laughs> when, you think of, when you think of disasters and you think of trauma, you mostly associate trauma with the victims that went through that type of disaster. But there has to be, like, when you... Like, first responders that, that yeah. sign up for this type of job, you know, no one is going to forget that like they they must have some sort of traumatic response to responding to a scene like this too so some um, of this stuff i mean it's got to be burned in their minds like you got it you got to thank your first responders this is kind of what they were dealing with pulling this is a mangled body right here this is what the body looks like you can't can't even see it you can't even make out what that is it's a crater you see a crater is that is that the body i think this is a leg oh Oh, I don't God. know what it is. Yeah, you can can't can't even you can't see it. make it out. Yeah, you can't because it's been incinerated. Also, it's 1920s photography. True. The fire marshal, Chief Charles V. Lane, gets there. He's seen this before, obviously not on a scale of this magnitude, but he knows the all the recent deaths and the explosions in the homes. It's because of this high-test gasoline that everyone's using. It's cheaper. You can heat your home with it. Think about it. The gas that you put in your car, you're going to heat, warm yourself up a bagel or a steak with that gasoline. Oh, no, that's going to impact the flavor. That is a terrible idea. So he thinks right away he knows what what happened. He still he gets there and he doesn't say anything, but he knows that this is the high test gasoline that all these schools are now using as heating systems. It does actually kind of make me glad that this house is all electric and doesn't use. It's electric. <laughs> but I, you know, like so or many is that accidents. The music? You can. can see it. It's electric. Boogie woogie woogie. That's yeah. a roller skating. I mean, yeah. we should go roller a, skating, dude. I went ice skating for the first time. Well, no, not the first time ever. I went when I was three, and that was the only time I had ever gone. But because the, the teacher fu- was mean, but for the first time in my adult life, I went roller. I went ice skating last to week. the one in North Charleston. Yeah. Nice. I had to use the push thing. It is kind of. Oh, yeah. I have always had to. The milk crates? No, it was a, it was like a, almost looked like a walker. Oh. 
Oh, I'll show you a picture later. They, I mean, granted, I was small, so you would use like two milk crates stacked on one another and push them. <laughs> if you- we go roller skating, I'll need to bring my helmet. Oh, I'm not. I'm not a real. I I am. I am not graceful at all. Next time I go skates, like blades, any skis. So this fire marshal gets there, and he also joins in the in the search. He meets up with Deputy Sheriff William Clock, and they started digging together. Both of the guys, the sheriff, deputy, the fire marshal, they are also trying to inspect what happened. Look at the school one more time. You see that it is it is only halfway damaged. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kind of questionable. The nor- This is the north side. Okay. So, one whole wing. Is there and a look- second water pump on the south side, or, or was it... Look at that. That's just where the pump was, I guess. Look at this right here. You see it's kind of bowing in. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's Ooh. a good view. Oh. Like the whole thing's bowing in. Yeah. Oh my God. Can you imagine just like, here's a better no, view. Like I can't. looking through this and trying to find your No, your I kid. don't want to think about that. I did. Were there, were there people who lost their lives trying to save people? Oh others? yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because of the falling debris. You know, because look at all this one more time. Look at all this stuff up here. These are heavy boards. And look at this one. This is a huge plank right there. This stuff falls. You know, this brick wall is the one that killed that little boy. So here's the thing. As an outsider looking in, also uh, almost 100 years later after this happened, like if I was going in like the next day, I would definitely want to wear some sort of protection, like head protection to for that. If I was a parent going in there, I wouldn't give a fuck because oh, my totally. kids are there. Yeah. Like, can I imagine having to look through that for a family member or a child? No, I don't want to imagine that. But I can tell you 100% that I would not care. I would sacrifice myself to try to save my kid. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or like a family member, a sister. Or friend, like if that's if someone if someone that I cared about was in there, I wouldn't care about my I wouldn't care about my own well being. I would I would try to get yeah. them out. Yeah. In the next episode, I'm going to talk about this too. But in 2017, the oldest survivor was interviewed. She's wow. 109. Wow. I, mean, I guess she's still alive. That's 2017. Well, we can't make any assumptions. 109 is old. In 2000, when 19? That's four years ago. 2017. 2017. That's six years ago. I mean, I hope she still is. But I mean. One cannot make that assumption. You can't assume. Do you know you can't I, assume on the day to day. Like, who knows who will be alive tomorrow? I don't right? know, Jen. So you had the fire marshal and the deputy sheriff. They're looking around. Now they're going more towards the the undamaged side, the south side of the school. The deputy sheriff he picks up this plaster, this big column, and he notices something under it. Uh oh. What do you think it is? A bomb. It is something odd. Looking in this broken plaster, this blood, and this wreckage, he sees these two little wires, one red, one black. They're frayed. They're frayed at the end. And he notices that they go down on this column. They go all the way down to the wreckage. And these two men, they start digging out this because they're they're wondering what this is. They've never seen anything like this, and this shouldn't be in a school. Travel down into the wreckage. They find this wire traveling down the columns it's stapled with these rusty staples which means someone did it quite a while ago and down in the rubble they they reach the basement follow the wires all the way to the basement and the wires when they finally trace them to their their end they were connected to to this sticks of unexploded <gasps> dynamite this is the fire chief and the sheriff. Jen, you were right this was on purpose so <gasps> This is... uh, I'm going to add this to the tally of the times that I was right. I think we're about to five after 423 episodes, mm -hmm, but here mm -hmm. we go. I think you got two this episode. Look at that. Two? For what? What was the other one? Uh, 
I was wrong about Snow White. I was two years off. But there was something else that you I was saying you got. I don't know. Unexploded dynamite. The wires were connected to that blasting caps. And not only that, it was connected to a battery, a hot shot battery. And those wires were connected to a clock. A bomb. Still ticking. Tick tock, tick tock, tick tock, tick tock. Oh, shit. Tick tock. They didn't have bomb squads back tock. then. And that's where I'm stopping this episode. All right, we're stopping that right here on episode two. Obviously, this is a bombing. This was 1927. The reason I'm doing this story is because like me and everyone else in this world, we think that uh, mm. this this mass shooting stuff like this is a recent, recent phenomena. But turns out that this goes way back. Wow. Well, this wasn't a shooting per se, but if you're talking about targeting school children, right? Then, yes. Yeah. That's yeah. What I'm about. It, it, even if they're, yeah, the availability of certain things, like you're going to find a way. Like now it's more commonplace to hear about elementary kids getting shot and killed, which is terrible. Freaking insane to think about. But in 1927, to, to blow up a school, they would end up finding 450 pounds of unexploded dynamite. 250 people, students, children, in this school, the dynamite that they found, the rest of it did not explode. So look at this photo again. How many other dead people were there? Would there be? I mean, the whole building would have been completely in smithereens. So we're going to stop that episode here. Obviously, this was something, you know, a terrorist situation or something. We're going to go into everything in the next episode, but I feel like this is a great stopping point. Anyway, what do you guys think? But we are going to finish it today, right? Like, Yeah, we can finish it today. Look on the Patreon. We'll be there. So for the Tacos Primos, that episode will be ready to go in 30 minutes from now. We'll record the, the last of it. And if not, don't worry about it. That episode will be out next Wednesday on any podcast channel. But that's all I got. Till next time. Good night, you lovely, lovely people.